a Halloween treat, and happy birthday from Better Buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's James. Hello. And me. Hello. RJ. Yeah. And James. Uh, hi. Hello. It's me again. Oh. Guess Happy Halloween. Back. Happy Halloween. That's right. This will be the Halloween episode. Oh this my is gosh, the closest we get, because it's going to be before the next time we record. And after this time, so this is our Halloween episode. What are you dressed up for the for for the podcast? What are you dressed up as for the podcast? Uh, well, I've got my uh, Duff man. I got my Duff shirt on, so I guess uh, I'm dressed up as somebody who enjoys the, the cool, refreshing, refreshing taste of Duff Duff beer. Fair enough. I have done what I always do every day of the year: is I dressed up in jeans. And a black t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And my glasses. And have gone as myself. A fucking nerd. <laughs> hey, that's... Uh, there's I no, literally you know, do have that like cartoon court character wardrobe, though. Like, Well, everyone everyone should aspire to be like a Timmy Turner level of... Um, you know, like... that's He's put together, you know what I mean? I was, I, I, I was I, leaning more like Scooby-Doo. Where they even... Oh. At one point, they had a movie with a joke about why... Like... Shaggy forgets to pack the luggage, and Velma and Daphne are like, "Dude, what? Why didn't you pack our luggage?" And Shaggy straight up looks at them and says, "Why does it matter? We wear the same stuff every day, anyways." <laughs> Which movie is this? I think it's one of the Abominable Snowman ones. Oh no! Wait, there's an Abominable. Okay, I remember this. Okay, I'm getting that mixed up with the Snow Ghost. Because there's one... Snow Ghost. There's Yeti. Yeah. There's like three Yeti ones. But that's because that's just uh, the Snow Ghost is just an episode, yeah. I believe. Um, that episode terrified me as really? a child. I was really scared of it. Yeah, wasn't it just yeah. a spooky dude in like a ski costume? It was. Yeah, that was the funny part about it is that he was. It was like, um, yeah, it was literally a guy who was just like on skis and stuff <laughs> like that, just dressing up and yeah, yeah. Like, and yeah he, he, looked, he looked like he was flying because he was on clear skis, so no one could see him skiing. <laughs> Yes, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't. It, it, there were some shots of it, like looking in the window, and then the noise it made. Like, I just mm. remember that striking like a primal fear into my. I was. I had to be like eight or nine, maybe, when I was a kid. I was scared really easily. When I was a kid, I had to be oh, at least eight or nine. Maybe I was seven. I, I, I count that as a as being a kid. Oh yeah, right. I just, I just love the phrasing of it, implying that like your childhood was when you were eight years old, and then you were an adult. <sighs> there was no before, there was no after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, isn't that normal for everyone? Isn't that isn't that it's how like it goes? The, it's like when people say, "Ah, yes, I was born at a very early age." <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's cute. I like that. Uh, also, hey James, happy three year anniversary. Okay, is today the exact anniversary? Uh, today or is not the it? exact anniversary, but episode 156 would be the end of year three. Because it is 52 times three. 
Wow. No way. Well, yeah. happy three-year anniversary, RJ. Here's two. Probably far too many more. Also, we need to lay off the historical talk about Nazi Germany and communist everything. We had four downloads last week. <laughs> oh, somebody somebody listened. Or we went we, from double we... digits. Okay, we went from like 12 average for the last few weeks down to four. Or I don't we... know if that's actually people upset with the episode or just the algorithm, but... Uh, that's fair. We could double down and we could really see how far the rabbit hole goes. If we no, double down, fine. we're going to end up in that stupid feedback cycle where some random-ass conservative news site finds us and is like, they're asking the real questions. <laughs> and then we end up famous for that and popular for that, but we don't want to be there, but now we're stuck getting money from it. Are you saying that you don't want to go on uh, Tucker Carlson and have him, like, squint at you and ask, like, incredibly softball questions about your personal politics? I'm saying that a lot of those websites used to be a lot more, like, tolerable and or actually presented good points before they started profiting. I'm just saying. Yeah. Funny how... I, I've, I think I've said this before. I'll say it again. Money is kind of a lot like religion. If you start putting it in places where it shouldn't be, or if it becomes the focus of an area where it is not the primary like focus, it just kind of ruins everything. It kind of ruins the whole thing. So, yeah. Big, uh, you know, but anyways, I, our better buddies right, yeah, this week. Yeah. How many <laughs> sides right, yeah. do you think a die should have? I, I'm going to say, mm, you know what? I'm going to go, I'll say six. I think six is the classic. I think, Ooh. yeah. Truly a, uh, a, cla a classic list. A classicist? Mm -hmm. a, a classical, well, a classicist would be, actually, that's a good question. I have no idea. Hmm. Classicalist. Hmm. There we go. Go with that. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Six-sided is the OG die. Sounds like you have, uh, you have a differing opinion. Well, I I love dice in all sizes and shapes. All dice are beautiful. But that is because I'm a massive fucking D&D &D nerd. And so the prime, the prime-sided die that holds my will and my mind and my soul is our Lord and Savior, the D20. 20 sides. Dice Christ compels us, James. Sacrilege. The power of Sacrilege. Dice Christ compels you. And blasphemy. So why in particular? Like, it just offers the most options? Like, why not 21? So the reason for 20 is... And it is completely rooted in my love for RPGs. But mm. it is based in the idea that, one is absolute failure. Utter failure. That's the end. That's it. And 20 is great success. You are so successful. How can you be any more successful? And in between is every shade of success and failure. And frankly, it also offers a really good medium area of like, you know what? Not every day is going to be a 1. And not every day is going to be a 20. But there are a lot of days that are going to be those 10s, 12s, and 15s. And there are going to be quite a few of those days that are like eights and sevens. So with everything, or threes. 
You just have yeah. a really good wide range. Hmm. I like that perspective on it. I really do. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I could, I could see where obviously six-sided dice a die does not offer uh, does not offer quite the same spectrum. But at so, all, all yeah. I would argue though, a six-sided die offers stability. It is much easier to stack a tower of cubes than it is a tower of isododecahedrons. Is that what they're called? Is I'm pretty the... sure. Plus, like, I mean, how can you beat that? The the look of a classic die, iconic. You know what I mean? Un unbeatable. Uh, but yeah, okay, I can get behind the uh, twenty sided the twenty sided dice for sure. It's a cosadodecahedron. It's a like cosa like it starts with a C. Well, it's a it's a polyhedron with twenty triangular faces and twelve pentagonal faces. Mm-hmm. That's about all I got. Neat though. <laughs> Shapes. Oh my There's gosh. There's your geometry lesson for the day. Oh my god, I was horrible at geometry, RJ. I was really bad at it. This is a we're turning into a like a, a Sesame Street for adults. Here's your math lesson. Oh, yeah. You uh got a history <laughs> lesson last week. Yeah. Uh, let's just move it to uh, Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy, because I ain't gone yet. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, um, I'm gonna why go. Don't you go? Mm -hmm. My recommendation this week is The Lord of the Rings, uh, Fellowship of the Ring. I watched Lord of the Rings for the first time this weekend, and it was pretty good. Yeah, my did, one uh, complaint. Yeah. Okay, yeah, is a la a severe, egregious lack of Tom Bombadil. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I acknowledge that he is easily cut to make time in the movie, and I still fight though because I think Tom Bombadil is the prime, ultimate, and like second only to Samwise Gamgee example of, hey. The simple things in life are the best. And it is not fighting and honor and glory and valor that are important. It is having a nice home and nice food and a nice environment to live in. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, He's, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Overall, good movie. Uh, I liked all the casting. I It was particularly after having just read the books. It was kind of neat to go like, oh, they're doing that here. Oh, they're doing that there. Oh, they're excluding the fact that it took 17 years between when Frodo got the ring and Gandalf showing up to send him out the door. Like, they just gloss over that. You want more development? I want at least a title card kind of thing that says 17 years later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do kind of just, um... I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of ground to cover in the film, but I guess that would help to cover it, right? If you have the sign Because they don't cover any of it, though, is the thing. Like, it literally would be extra five seconds of text on screen saying 17 years later. I don't know, RJ. They did That's it to establish the fact that it was Bilbo's birthday. Wait, between what period and what period is this? Like, is it after, it's after the, like, the Battle of the Ring that they not, do, they should have done, like, 17 years even. later or so okay. when Bilbo gives the ring to Frodo, it is on Bilbo's mm -hmm. 111th birthday. He mm -hmm. gives him the ring and leaves. 
Frodo has the ring. Gandalf comes in and says, like, ah, oh, yes, your, uh, your Uncle Bilbo left you the ring. Don't use it. Just keep it safe. Uh, but goodbye. I'm gonna go learn more about it. And then 17 years pass of Frodo just living in Bag End, in the Shire, being a hobbit. Huh. Yep. I can't... Have you read the books or no? Yep. Do they cover that in the books? Like, what happens? What they cover does? that by basically saying... Uh, Frodo spent the next 17 years living in the Shire. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Okay. It's literally just like, oh, yeah. And then 17 years later, Gandalf comes back and says, ah, things are growing weirder out in the world, uh, and darker, and you should probably set out on a journey soon. Uh, if I don't uh, return on this day, go to the Prancing Pony. And then Gandalf doesn't return. And so he goes and is... Goes to the Prancing Pony. Hmm. Hmm. Are you uh, are you more of a sci-fi guy or a fantasy guy? I'm honestly more of a sci-fi guy. In a weird way. In that I like mm-hmm. fantasy. But I like my artificers. I like the people who... I like magic and I love magic systems. But I like the people who take the magic and apply the rules in a way beyond just... I say these words and wave my hand and magic happens. Like... Fucking Harry Potter with the whole, like, you can't tinker with muggle items. Like, fuck that shit. Enchant that car to fly. Figure out how the rubber duck works and then make it make actual duck sounds with your magic. <laughs> wow, you're very passionate. You Okay, so you want, you want like, um, magic to be kind of a practicable... It can't be this sort of thing that's just pulled out of nowhere to be used as like a plot device like you wanted to okay with magic being used as a plot device i'm happy with it like that's basically gandalf in almost all of lord of the rings but lord Mm -hmm. of the rings is very much also the like the old magics and the deep magics it's what gets me is where it's like particularly settings where magic is so abundant and plentiful that like literally anybody can just study magic and become a wizard where it's like it's like somebody, anybody could go to a tech college right now and become a plumber, right? Like, anybody mm-hmm. could study up and become a nurse. There's tons of them. And so they're like, okay, if magic is going to be that plentiful where somebody can study for a couple years and cast a spell, why the fuck are people not, like, turning this into devices? We have ironwork. We have a spell that makes things cold. Why would, or, like, th- spells that make things lose their gravity... Apply the gravity rune to the inside of a gun barrel and make a goddamn, um, what's that type of gun where it uses the electric coils to speed things up? Oh, like a mag coil? Like a mag gun? Yeah. Yeah, mag gun. Like, make a freaking anti-gravity gun with gravity runes etched in along the sides, on the inside, so something is shot through it, but it has no gravity, so there's no friction, so it speeds up really fast. Hmm. Well, also to be, I mean, to be fair, like in Harry Potter and some of that other stuff, isn't it more, it's usually based on like a person's, like someone might be a good, you can train to be a nurse or a plumber, but there are people who are, for whatever reason, like better suited for it. Like they're just better at it. Which is fair. You know? However, I would point out that in Harry Potter, book two and movie two, Ron's dad has enchanted a car to both be larger on the inside and it flies and it has invisibility if you push a button. Which means it's completely possible. The only That's reason fair. they don't do that is because they don't want muggles getting a hold of it on accident. 
Which means yeah, that it's not a thing is like, yeah, some people would be more apt at it, so there would be like at the same way, like there are some people who are just better plumbers or better whatever. Like yeah, there are people who would be good at it and people who'd be bad at it, but it's prolific enough that people should be doing this research. See, it's, it is interesting because, like, I do like some of this stuff. Honestly, one of the reasons why I like Lord of the Rings is because it uses, like, a fantasy setting to focus on, like, human drama. Even though yeah. that, that there aren't, there are barely any, like, human characters, like, in the story. Um, and it does, it can get bogged down in its window dressing. But that's what I like about it. Like, I, I agree with you. I like, like, Gandalf's type of magic. I like that, like, the old ancient like you don't really know what it does but the story convinces you well enough that it's like you don't really need to know and i, I think it fits that very well see and that was one of my favorite things i noticed like there's a point in book two the two towers where gandalf or where loki er, or not loki god legolas aragorn and gimli are chasing after hobbit a couple of the hobbits that have been kidnapped by orcs and there are mm -hmm. a bunch of riders of rohan horse masters who are riding towards them and aragorn who is a ranger he's really good at survival and tracking and stuff he is like down on the ground literally ear to the ground listening to the vibrations to figure out like how many people are coming this way and at what speed and legolas after he does all this getting on the ground to do this is like oh yeah i see him they're over there there's a hundred of them and they're blonde he's because <laughs> elves just have that good of eyesight but mm -hmm. he waited until after aragorn did all that shit <laughs> <laughs> just like super fucking petty that's funny okay that's interesting yeah i like those relationships like i like those kinds of um like how would two people who have these kinds of different traits like interact in almost sort of a realistic way and it plays too with like the elves right like yeah. they're kind of they're debatably the pettiest oh, they're <laughs> debatably. so fucking petty but those makes them so funny. So it makes them great. Hmm. Yeah. The so have you, seen, super have you seen the Have you seen the full series then? Yet, yeah. Or no? You have. Okay. Wow. Uh, I guess favorite film. Uh, probably Two Towers. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 The uh, Do you have a favorite scene or like a scene that sticks out to you out of all of those movies? Um, oh, my my favorite scene would probably be the last scene in the last movie. Just because it's also my favorite scene in the book. Because The Lord of the Rings, the book, the story actually ends with Samwise Gamgee walking into his house after seeing off Frodo, to who's sailing off to uh, Falinor, uh, the land beyond the sea, the west, where he will never return from. And he just walks in and says, I'm back. Hmm. Does it ever say who he, he's talking to? He's talking to his wife. Oh, okay. Okay. It's kind of nice, though. The idea of, like, the regular dude. Like, a, <laughs> like he just got back from the store or the pub. And he says, I'm back. Huh. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I've only read The Hobbit and like half of The Fellowship. Um, I've seen the movies. I've seen the movies. I do not. Do they have that scene in the in the end movie or what is the actual ending scene? So the, the ending scene thought? is that scene where 
Um, Samwise okay. walks home and the door opens. His wife comes out and his kids come out and he says, I'm back. And he picks up his kids. Hmm. Um, Why do you like that so much? I like it so much because it really is. If you, I, I admit I'm only getting into Tolkien really as much now, so I'm no expert on it, but Tolkien, one of Tolkien's favorite characters was Samwise Gamgee because Samwise was kind of like a Batman from Tolkien's time in World War One, one, two, whichever one it was, where there were literally like the officers had these guys who were assigned to them who just followed them everywhere, doing everything they needed, including straight into the battlefield. Like if the officer went into the battle, like into the heat of the battlefield, the Batman just had to go with. And Tolkien's life was saved by one of his Batmen. So like, is that what they were called, or are you? Yeah, they is were, that were called own? Batman. What? Why? That's because so they fascinating. Would go to bat for him, I think. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Anyway, keep going. Um, and I'm probably wrong, but uh, one moment. Um. So because of that, Samwise was like one of Tolkien's favorite characters, and over the course of the story, literally like. They have a lot of magic and battles and fighting and strategy and like, but the overarching themes of the story of the entire Lord of the Rings story, including the Hobbit, are the simple things and the simple pleasures in life are the best. Fre- good friends, good food, good family is what matters most, and there is always hope. That's it. Like, and you could probably include in there like, oh, uh. A nice, like, be nice to the environment. Don't destroy it for the sake of industrialization. Um, <laughs> and like, there's tons of other meanings you can pull out of it, and like, there's whole philosophies on Tolkien. And that was actually one of the reasons Tolkien's son didn't like the movies was too much of a reduction of the philosophy present in the books. Um, so. But, like, in doing so, you follow the story of Samwise, who is this dude who's... He's just following along. He's dedicated himself. And to go from a poor farmer... He's literally the gardener, who is eavesdropping under the window. Going on this long journey. He's a simple enough guy where he's like, I'm not... I am so far beyond, like below the plans of men and elves and dwarves and wizards... Like, he is amazed just to see an elf when they first get to, um, Rivendell. Rivendell. They get to Rivendell, and he's just amazed that there are elves there. He's like, oh my god, the elves. Like, he he, he has no concept of the wider world around him. And even once he gets into that wider world, they're literally in the middle of Mordor, slowly making their trek up towards Mountain Doom, and... There's a pretty, like, moving part in there where he talks about, like, the legends and the tales. Because it's still a pretty verbal history in terms of the Lord of the Rings. There's very little written down. And so he asks about, like, oh, do you think they'll... Do you think people will ask about the the song of Frodo and the tale of the ring? And Frodo includes him and is like, well, yeah, they're going to ask about Sam... Sam the Brave. Like, they're gonna you're included in the story, dude. Like... You're not a background character. And when they get home from the journey, Samwise is taught his letters by, like, Bilbo and Frodo. Like, he's taught how to read and write. And he becomes the mayor of Hobbiton. Like, he's in charge of the Shire. He's the mayor. And 
he is mayor for a long time. He's got the family and he, he's the best to lead because he's not like trying to do anything else. He's just the simple dude. So really roundabout way to say like, that's my favorite because it's such the perfect. I think that ending of the series is the perfect encapsulation of why the entire story happened. Huh? Because part of it, too, is in the story, a point is made that, like, the rangers that Aragorn is leader of, their job for decades had been to protect the borders of the Shire. Which is why the Shire had no clue about Mordor, or the armies, or the going-ons of men, why they never contributed troops. Because their borders were protected by forces they did not know were there. Why, Why would someone do that? Because they were the only race to actually have that kind of peace. Um, they'd been, they'd gone like 200 years without conflict. 200 plus years without conflict. Mm. And they were just so far north and so far removed that nobody really cared to the extent that a lot of people didn't even realize hobbits were a thing. And they were protected because they were kind of at the point of like, we shouldn't let anything despoil this. If, we, if this gets spoiled and ruined, it will never recover and it will never be reclaimed. And they, the hobbits themselves did not have the power to hold their own. It's the prevention of corruption. Yeah, that's... <clears throat> no, I think that's... Um, oddly for a... Well, maybe not oddly for a Brit, but incredibly sentimental and very kind... Um, you don't really think, I don't think of that kind of like, um, I don't know how to say that sort of feeling or that sort of relationship to be illustrated in a, something like Lord of the Rings for some reason. You think of it, you do think of it a lot as like, um, swords and dragons and a bunch of fantasy races and battles and things like that. Um, it's very easy to forget what you're talking about that it is sort of, or a lot of people might just not, I mean, I, like, I don't remember, and I, because I've yeah, I haven't read all the books, I barely know, like, I've read The Hobbit, but that's, again, that's about it, so. And I think part of it, too, it. is, like, one of the most potent lines from the book, I think, is Faramir, Boromir's brother, tells the hobbits, tells, like, Frodo and Sam at one point, um, I do not love... Let's see, I do not love the blade for its sharpness, or the arrow for its speed. I love that which they protect, I think is the, is the line. Wow. <clears throat> which does get sung in Elvish over Boromir's death scene in the movies, but it's like, that. I really think that line should have been included. And then maybe it's in the extended editions, but it's such, it is the, I would argue, the line of the series that encapsulates the the purpose and the idea behind it which again was also very much influenced both by tolkien's own experience in britain with industrialization and the countryside and the loss of some of those quote-unquote secret places and his experiences with war because i'm pretty sure he was in the great war he was he was in world war one yeah so he was in the war to end all wars. And while people say, like, a lot of people claim that, like, oh, his experience on the battlefield is what inspired Smaug. Where it's like, okay, he, I don't think his experience was that directly, like, ah, here is my fantasy parallel for World War One. 
it really is a lot of the theming of the loss of hope and the hardness of men's hearts and the despair that people go through and what happens when you call for aid. Because there is literally entire an entire plot point in the second book is the fact that um, Gondor doesn't know if aid will come when they call for it. And like the second or third book, like the whole point, there's a whole thing of like, Rohan never calls for aid, and then doesn't, like, and then Gondor has no idea if they'll call for aid, or if when they call for aid, if anyone will even answer, because it's been so long and so many years. What aid is there left to give when they are the last holdout against Mordor? So yeah, Lord of the Rings. That's my recommendation. What you got? That is going to be tough to top. Um, <clears throat> all right. I've got one. It's another music one. Uh, I listened to George Winston, um, who is this kind of, uh, I didn't know about him. He's just like a pianist and he's from kind of 30 odd years ago. Did a bunch of different um, albums. A lot of them like seasonally themed. Like there's one, that's I think it's literally like autumn. There's another that's called December. There's another that's called winter into spring. Uh, some others that are just themed sort of around like nature, like forest or plains, uh, which is really really. I found them very peaceful. Some of them are a little. They're a little. I I could see them feeling a little waiting room e sometimes, but I honestly found them very relaxing. Um, and he even has a tribute to Vince Guaraldi, uh, who is the the guy who obviously scored all of the Peanuts, like television specials. That's another great fall album to check out. Is is uh, it's what is it? It's Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, yeah. fantastic October, October November album. Um, that was honestly one of the best choices they made when it came to those Peanuts like specials. Was doing jazz for it. It was. It really set the tone, and it was oddly fitting, and yet at the same time somewhat unexpected. So, I really, I really Looks pride like those them. Little folks. <laughs> Very much so. I love that. I love those uh, shorts. I, I, I kind of um, love the whole, the whole vibe. It reminds me almost of a. I think I've said it before, but it's kind of like a, like a. G-rated version of South Park, essentially. It's yeah. but it's kind of perfect. Um, the fact that very real issues that children face and questions children have, without yeah. uh, fart jokes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that like one of the most famous American Christmas specials is like one that's seen by millions of people every year is one where a group of children talk about how sad they are when Christmas comes around because they're not sure like what the meaning of the season actually is. Sounds basic, but, but it's my true. goodness, so, it is. And if it isn't delivered, recommending George Winston as a whole, or do you have a particular I'm, like song or album? I'm recommending I'm recommending George Winston as a whole. I I started with Autumn with Autumn. I would recommend that one. Um, I'm biased because it's the one that I started with. My dad actually like shared him with me. And I was Aww. like, oh, cool, thank you. Yeah, it was very sweet. Um, so thank you, Dad, for doing that. Thank you. And You're welcome, James. Oh my god, he's here. Oh, how'd that happen? You're... Whoa! <laughs> Whoa, it's crazy. Um, 
but yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was nice to listen to, uh, during some of these kind of rainy days in New York and yeah. I yeah. would, I would recommend it. Uh, absolutely. Just, uh, some nice calming piano to, oh, uh, get you through October. If you like that, I got something to recommend to you, my, my man. This isn't for the audience. This is not for you. This is just for me to recommend to James. We're taking an aside here. You can, mm-hmm. uh, you can pause the podcast for like five seconds. Uh, I recommend looking up the Spotify playlist Jazz for Autumn. Okay. It is a very good acu- uh, compilation of various jazz songs that are very much in tone for those autumn, those autumn breezes and autumn days. I'm going to write this down. It's just called Jazz for Autumn? Yep. Sweet. Nice. Spotify playlist. There we go. Boy, howdy. Boy, howdy. Uh, so what do you want? What segment of the show do you want to do next? Well, um, let's let's do. Uh, we can do some. Better buddies recommend. You mean like we well, did? Uh, I'm sorry. Whoops. <laughs> uh, well, we we could do we could do a rewrite if you feel. I'd be up for a rewrite. Up to it. Yeah, let's let's try. Let's give it a shot. Um, you got one in mind? Honestly, I don't. I don't. Um, well. Let's think here. Hmm. We could, uh, before the show, we were talking about Minnesota and uh, Thor and Loki. Okay. Yeah, sure. What a, uh, how, how would, how would the Avengers be different if Thor and Loki basically were from Minnesota? Like, the dialogue's all replaced, but their mannerisms are, too. Where, like, Loki's doing the evil things, but he's still, like, oh, it, uh, like, I don't even know if I have, can do a Minnesotan accent. It might just I don't like even really know. Again, but, uh... Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, go for it. Oh, I'm I'm Glorden with that ter- terrible terrible purpose. Glorious purpose. Eh? Uh, I'm gonna need you to step aside and give me that cosmic cube there, friend. Oh no, you're take. Oh, see, I asked you to give it to me, and you're you're taking a run to the door. I'm gonna need you to turn right around and oh, oh, that's my spear through your chest. Oh gosh. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just gonna take this cube here, and uh, I'm gonna go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you kind of got it by the end there. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I love that. You're. Uh, you tell you what. You uh. You're gonna get crushed by this building here, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. So. It's making me think of what if there was, I mean, I'm really just thinking of a show centered around the Midwest at this point, but it's oh, like. So let's pivot entirely then. Pivot away from the Avengers. We're going to pivot away from the brand of material. We do, oh no, we could actually keep this in the MCU because mm-hmm. there was a portion of time in the comics where all of Asgard was transported to like Idaho. Or okay. Iowa or some shit. It was one of the two I states. But literally, like, the entire... All of Asgard, like, the glorious city, was stuck right next to, to like, a regular town in, like, Iowa. Of that. It was just there in the Midwest. And all the Asgardians were hanging out there. <laughs> <laughs> all 
Okay, that's kind of funny. The idea of them going to football games is funny. I even like the idea of like an American gods, but it's like Midwestern themed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like. So, um, so I'm thinking, I'm. Would this be a serious, a serious series or a comedy series? I'm literally thinking like, like, since we just finished talking about the peanuts, like. It's basically like that, but it takes place in a Midwestern, in some like Midwestern coded location, like some Midwestern yeah. state, indeterminate. But it's basically a bunch of like, um, could literally just be archetypal Midwesterners, or it could be like, uh, it could be like gods of being in the Midwest. It could be like Asgardians if we really wanted it to be. I'd like the idea of it tying to Midwest culture somehow but i'm open to suggestions so okay let's let's bring it a little closer to home then it is a uh let's say mid wisconsin town it's on the belt line mm-hmm. um, okay and it's a bunch of irish folklore springs up <laughs> like there's an un- okay. n- a previously undiscovered pathway to the fey and so the the and the Fey end up like starting a little colony next door to the town, and it starts off with. I don't know if we start with the introduction or we start like six months in, where it's kind of like yeah you know we got the, we got these uh these Fey creatures that have shown up in town and, some of them started going to the local school. It works out for the most part. That uh that Finn McCool character he he's taking up a job as a crossing guard. We gotta we gotta be a little more careful with him whenever he's on duty though. He gets pretty intense with that sword and uh protecting the kids as they're trying to cross. Cut to a scene of like this Irish Celtic warrior standing with a massive sword in the middle of the crosswalk. <laughs> and a car like a car is slowing down as it's getting close to the crosswalk. It's like stopping as it's supposed to, and he just pulls the sword up and is swinging down and goes, You shall not cross and he slams the sword down onto the car. <laughs> I okay I love this um I really do I really do I this reminds me a lot of um did you ever watch the show Hilda at all yes I saw the first two seasons yeah so I love the idea of of a world like that but it's like in Wisconsin where it's like all of that folklore and regular people like are interact with each other and it's just sort of like an accepted sort of thing. And I, I love the idea though, too, of like these, um, these like folklore heroes and like other figures being around. And then like some of the other like creatures or animals are just like, they, they become accepted almost as like regular fauna. Yeah. Like this has almost always been the state of the state. And it'd be really and, easy to like include those mythic figures because literally the Feywild, like I, I have done a little bit of research on Irish mythology and, Anybody that goes mm-hmm. to the Fae just kind of is there. Mm-hmm. Like, legend Finn McCool was a legendary Irish warrior who went to the Fae and never came back and is just kind of there still. And alive. being a, Living in the Fae as a legend warrior. So, like, we could totally have the, like... And I would, I would imagine it's, like, since we're, like, six months in or whatever, it's just kind of become accepted. Is also when, like, the rest of the world is starting to realize, like, hey, what the fuck is going on there? <laughs> <laughs> like the town accepts it the town just lives with it because they're like yeah we were a little put off at first when they uh first started showing up 
the puka was kind of weird. Uh, I'm not going to lie that the druid who moved an entire tree, uh, he, he claimed a tree at the park a block from my house. Uh, the tree grew massively overnight. Uh, it was like, we'd planted that, I think, a month ago. We planted it a month ago, and then they showed up. Um, we planted it a month before they showed up, and like, overnight, it was like seven feet in diameter, eight feet in diameter. And we don't know how he's, he, he enters and exits it from, like, a knot in the tree. Like, it, it looks like there's a doorway, but we haven't actually been able to find a door. But he, he gets the raccoons out of the yard, so I'm not going to complain. <laughs> I like that. I like, I like presenting maybe the first, if this is, like, a TV series, it's almost sort of, like, it could be short episodes, like ten minutes long, almost like like comic strips, like presenting mm. snapshots of the world. And then, like if there is a second season, you can develop that maybe into like a greater story. Um, I um, guess, like, see, and I was yeah. thinking it'd almost be a little bit more of that doc. Um, the uh, what's the what's the genre of Parks and Rec falls in the. Oh, like mockumentary. Mockumentary, that's it. I think it'd be a little bit... Of, I was thinking more of like a mockumentary thing. Where it's... Interesting. Similarly to okay. how Parks and Recreation... I'd want it more in the Parks and Recreation style, though, compared to The Office, where mm-hmm. it's a mockumentary because, like, people talk to the camera and stuff, but it never breaks the meta wall to become like, oh, there's literally plot lines with the documentary crew and the end result of the documentary... Compared to, like, how in Parks and Recreation there was, like, very clearly scenes that there would not be a documentary crew there for. Yeah, like, it's no just reason a documentary crew is there. It's just the show. Yeah. Okay, like, I'm, because I, like, I like that. I'm picturing this for some reason as animated. How do you, I think it's because of the Hilda Ooh. comparison. How do you feel about that? Um. Because you can it's... still have that to a degree. Yeah, I think yeah. animated would probably be better considering, like, if we want to do, like, Hill, Hill Giants or something. And, like, the fey mm-hmm. animals and stuff save budget. Um, I'm trying to think of a style I'd want it animated in, though. Yeah. What about I'm, I'm thinking style? How so? So, like... I'm With Hilda, right? Hilda's a very soft art style, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. It's very gentle. So, like, mm-hmm. some of the more gentler creatures and things would be in that style. But then, like, going back to the Finn McCool crosswalk card... Like, he would be in an almost, like, a total drama island, like, very blocky. Oh, yeah, like a jagged, like he's, like, he's cut out of, like, like, he's, a, like, a cave drawing or, like, stained glass or something. Yeah, ooh. Like, See, and we could do this stuff like that, too, angular. where, like, the druid is almost like a sketch, like, a, a shape, um, um, an etching or, like, a, like, they, you take the crayon I... or you take, like, a chalk piece out of paper and, like, do a rubbing to get the engraving. I love that. I really love that, actually, because I think you can even include, um, because with like the Irish folklore, like you can include both, um, obviously like the older Celtic traditions, but you can also include if you really wanted to, and doesn't even have to be like super religious, but you can still include some of the early like proto-Catholic like Irish traditions where you had that period where like the the Celtic. Uh, the the Celtic practices were being like phased into Catholicism, and there's like that period where it's basically like you had these people who were like, like they weren't devoutly Catholic, but they were Catholic, but they were they were porting over so much of their sort of like 
tradition and their heritage into like a Catholic um, framework and yeah. made it some their own. And I think to have like characters like that, I'm thinking a lot like um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Book of Kells, like kind of kind of stuff. Like I've been told, I have to watch it. You should. It's it's fun. It's good. But any, anyway, no, I I love the idea of like that that blended art style. Like I think that's actually really brilliant, and it helps sort of. Uh, add different feels to the show and, and the characters as well. Yeah, I really like that. And then, like, I think all of the quote-unquote real world would be one consistent art style. I agree. I think, like, the regular, it would just be, like, the regular Midwestern sort of, like, town um, and the townspeople. And I guess, like, so do we do we focus on anyone in particular? Like, or is this sort of... Uh, um, again just like mockumentary animated mockumentary like snapshots like for the first season i think the first season would be maybe 10 episodes or less snapshots of like different either areas of town or creatures that have shown up in town and what they're filling in like how they're filling Mm -hmm. in the fitting into the town and then if there was a season two it'd be okay here's the ones that were kind of popular and or the ones that interested us and we as we were developing them and go like okay now we're going to start filling out the town and like focusing in on the stories of these three or five characters, but everything Mm -hmm. else is still like part of the filler town and have the like background cast that was really entertaining. Similar to how like in parks and rec, when they had like the town halls and stuff, there were the reoccurring characters who you were like, Oh, I know you, you're the lasagna and muffin lady who eats nothing but lasagna and muffins and feels terrible. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and you had the uh, like some of the guys, um, like the chanters. Just, yeah, you had the ch- yeah, you had the chanters. You had like the um, the concerned like hyper Christian yes. woman and her husband. Um, Which means you know there's got to be a couple of those in the show who are like the oh, excuse me um excuse me hi that is a pagan ritual that you are performing right now um. You're performing a pagan druidic ritual in our lovely park, and we need you to stop. Yeah, as the people are like levitating or something like that. <laughs> there is like, there, yeah. like antlers are growing out of its head at an alarming rate, and its like <laughs> eyes are glowing, and it's communing with a bear. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love that. I love. Um... It's just very prim proper. Like, excuse me. Um, this bear is in city limits. It should be out in the forest, and the the children are trying to have their soccer game. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, because it is that is someone you would find in a midwestern town, like Absolutely. for sure. Um, uh, no, I like this a lot. For some reason, I see like at least one episode revolving around like a noir, um, uh, like private detective type guy who like uh whose business has seen like an influx of um like before he was just used to like oh this this you know two guys came in and and from a fishing trip and one said that like he he stole and mounted the other guy's bass and said it was his or something like that you know and he's got to get to the bottom of it and now he's like solving like uh he's got like a whole heap i like the idea of him still having mundane problems to solve like the idea of someone setting up a private detective agency in a Midwestern town of like 3,000 people is really funny to me. Um, um, and 
I think that character could work, especially if his problems that he has to solve with like the the Fae or the other like the Celtic like lore stuff is just as mundane. I think that could be kind of fun. Well, it's like I just pulled my uh, general encyclopedia of mythology off the shelf, and there is we could t- we also get in, like King Arthur, Arthurian legend counts as part of the Celtic legends. Oh, that's right. Because oh it's God. like the um Merlin and like the retrieval of Excalibur. Um also magic, like off the battlefield, love and romance were also subject to spells, love filters, or magical trickery, as in the romances of Sebd Sadib, Rian Rhiannon, and Islet. On the brighter side, many heroes enjoyed the gifts of the other world, such as Arthur's sword Excalibur or Ferg- Fergus McRoth's Seed Sword. Also, lots of magical cauldrons, so we could have, like, the potluck. Like, you know (laughs) they do a church potluck at some point, and you know somebody brings a cauldron from the other world, where it is just eternally refreshing, and the potluck goes on for, like, three days unintentionally. (laughs) Because Midwesterners would never leave a potluck like that. Never. (laughs) Everyone would stay. The whole town would shut. No, that's the thing, too, is with a show like this, you could have some killer holiday specials. Like, Halloween... Christmas, oh New Year's. You could have some amazing ones. They get to Halloween and like the kids are all like getting t- excited and talk about trick or treating. And Finn McCool is hearing overhearing is like, "Children, thou shalt not leave your homes on the All Hallows Eve, for the spirits shall claim you and drag you to the other world. <laughs> you must dress. You must cut these. Because what do they do? They don't do pumpkins. They did, um." radishes and um something else did they do like other root vegetables yeah there was another root vegetable it wasn't a pumpkin originally it was like a beet they would carve beets i think i've seen photos of this yeah yeah so like he he begins like passing out carved beets to the children of like carry these to ensure your safety on your way home (laughs) and then like a kid actually goes missing (laughs) but it's just like a background thing of like it cuts the classroom and there's one kid missing and they're like, um, yeah. Uh, so I spoke to Timmy's parents and they still haven't seen him since trick or treating on Saturday. So if any of you hear anything, please let me know. And sometimes like when it cuts to the shots of the other world, there'll be like images of like Timmy in the background is like crawling out of a hole that he's dug and starts sprinting towards the nearest exit back to the real world. And, like, a winged demon just swoops in and carries him away. <laughs> I love the idea, though, of, like, in this episode, like, um... See, I, like, I love the idea of, like, Finn McCool, like, and then we're cutting to him, like, fighting to go find, like, this kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is like, he actually fighting, or is he fighting with himself about abandoning his responsibilities as the crossing guard? <laughs> oh, that's a good... Well, I... <laughs> I just like the idea of like um, you know because like how in uh, in like it, it was it's kind of a common um, urban legend or I don't even know if it's really an urban legend because I think it happened but it's like oh they're hiding razor blades and like candy oh, bars yeah, or like a, uh, that's totally an urban legend. Okay, that like the idea like Finn McCool because I'm imagining Finn McCool is literally this like stoic like he always talks like this like you know what I mean like and he's like seven feet tall Truly, like he's like I shall yeah, go rescue like, the boy. 
Yeah, exactly. And he, like the idea of him basically being like, like, Hark, there have been reports of people hiding portals wanna... to the other world in <laughs> apples and candy bars. Like, I have heard then... that there are reports of dangerous objects hidden in treats. Be careful, children. They may contain portals to the other world. <laughs> and I literally like, just turned to the no. page that says heroic quests in my section on Nor uh, Celtic mythology, so... It's perfect. I love like Finn McCool's heroic Halloween quest. There we go. There's the there's the episode title. Uh, maybe I, that's like maybe that's an entire season is a re a motley assortment of regular folks and um Celtic characters like end up on a quest in the other world for a season, and oh. it's the like oh I'm the regular person using the regular person skills I know to solve these puzzles because I've got. 2000 years knowledge on you and see i love that i love the idea of almost because i know like we will like you would want to a degree like main characters sometimes i love the idea though of like um the town being sort of like the main character you know what i mean like yeah. i know that's kind of like a little bit of a cop-out like but i love the idea of like the story itself like i guess you always sort of need a main character but that means each story, like, each episode can still have, like, a main character, and we can sort of, like, switch and stuff. Because I love, I, I agree with you, like, I love the idea of, like, a whole season of these episodes where it's, like, the town, like, half the town is, like, working to get another group of people, like, back from the other world and stuff like that. Or, like, different adventures like, in this place, and they're all, people are just kind of trying to figure it out. And I think like, it might feel... A little schizophrenic but i think it could i think it'd be a good experiment to at least try i think and i think that's why i'm leaning so hard towards the parks and recreation model is because so parks and recreation was so well done that you had a core cast of like eight characters that you could pair off any of them and they could hold an episode on their own like even the weakest link was still strong enough to have an episode centered around them and it worked very well that's true um and then the b stories were always still entertaining and enticing and this town around it felt real and lived in with a cast of characters that were recurring and reliable to be entertaining. So I think we've thrown down like the main character aspect of it where it's like, instead of a core eight, it's like almost like sections of town. Yes. And yeah. then that would be where the town is kind of the character. It's like, Oh, what sections of town are we looking at today? Yeah, are we gonna add, like? Are we gonna go to the guys who hang out at like the local bar? Are we gonna go to like? Um, let me think here. Like, are we gonna go to like the people who all hang out at the diner? Are we going to the kids city at the hall. school? Are we going to city hall? Are we Zoning going permits? to the the moms <laughs> who hang out at the cafe? Like, <laughs> like uh, zoning permits. Now that's a good yeah. And then I think a like, later season like. Uh, as per depending on how long the show goes on for, one of the seasons probably would be that like the government starts come the federal government starts coming in, and it's almost like a little siege. Oh, I like that. Like yeah. the feds, I FBI, like supernatural team, whatever comes in to like contain this, and the town's like, um, actually, we don't want this. Please stop. I do. <clears throat> I do want to be like I I like it. I want to be like a little careful. It would have to be almost like a covert like. I don't think it could be too operatic because mm. you don't, I don't, I think the appeal of a show like this would be the fact that it has this kind of like 
adventurous but still idyllic attitude like okay. it, nothing really violates the the town like the feeling of the town itself um but i like the idea if it's like like it like it's basically they notice that there are suddenly like guys in black suits who like are showing up <laughs> on street corners or something like yeah. that and so like that what if that just becomes a part of the thing of like every so often in the back of a shot or like someone would comment on like oh the suits are here again and there's just like a gaggle <laughs> of dudes in the suits with their fingers at their ears like talking to like look over and realize they've been noticed and scurry away in a pack i okay see i love that actually i that i love i love kind it like, if um, they, in kids next door the the children down the lane all walk together it'd be like that okay i i love it if they're like a part of the town of the town and they run they run like a store or like they have their like van or you know what they, i mean like they um, run the food truck yeah <laughs> which becomes part of the thing is the like i mean yeah it's kind of overdone as well like when the secret agents have their like store that their man is their front and they get too obsessed with managing the front and like turning yes. it into a real store yeah but like i think that's a trope that would work here of the like daniel we're out of tortillas for the taco truck what are we gonna do we're, we're not a real taco truck close the taco truck no we serve a vital role in this community and Mengdalen the Druid wants his tacos. We promised these people, I'm here serving my country. <laughs> Look, the Druid already paid with five acorns, three brown leaves, and a $5 bill he found in a squirrel nest. That's like, that's like his whole paycheck, man. That's like his whole thing. That's just, that that's literally his monthly nut. It's like, <laughs> I don't know, he was I trying don't, to treat himself, Daniel. And you're ruining his treat. You're a monster. You're a monster. <laughs> I, yeah. As and Daniel's like standing outside with a bear with antlers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, it's cause like, I, I love that. Cause I, I think the biggest thing for me is like, I, like you don't almost want anything to, like, this town should almost be the world itself. Like, you yeah. should know that there are other places, right? But it's kind of almost like how in early episodes of The Simpsons, or even kind of like in Gravity Falls, it's sort of like, it's just the town for the longest time. Like, there's really nothing outside of it. They'll talk about it, and they will go to different places. But for the most part, it's all about the town. And I, I kind of like that idea. Yeah. I like this a lot, actually. I really like this... Um, this little kind of I think you're right on with it being just the town and I think like if we ever got to a point where we were going to leave the town we have to make that episode somebody jumps a shark just to reference jump the shark moment jumping the shark I see I agree I think the only like it would have to be done so well cuz the problem with jumping the shark even knowingly is like you can't go back from it like you just can't yeah. it, it right i'm thinking like that would be if we ever left the town if we okay. ever left the town we would literally just open with a scene at the park where like and we, we'd have to start from the beginning like in the park there's one of those like little like kid slides it's a shark it's shaped like a shark okay. we just leave it there for the entire yeah, season okay. and then the minute they're about to leave the town we just have somebody being like hey man i bet you can't jump over the the slide there Or like we have it in the background where want... somebody just runs and jumps over it. Yeah, it's like a like a really subtle thing. Like nobody calls attention to it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that better. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, I like. I think it, as understated you know, as possible. You know, with like a show like this, we'd be we'd be keeping it in the town. The town is the world, and the minute we like left that at all is the minute somebody says, "Ah, you jumped the shark," just because we left. That's very true. That's true. Even like, if it works, even if it's a good story that we come up with to leave the town, somebody would still say, "Nope, you ruined it." Well, and you can register it as like non-canonical. I mean, like. I will say just just as like a short example, um, like in The Simpsons. Do you care about spoilers for no. The Simpsons, like yeah. a TV show? Okay, in The Simpsons, like there's the character uh, Principal Skinner, who's the principal of the elementary school, and he's a character who'd been around the show ever since the first season. Um, nine seasons of development. Uh, in the ninth season, I believe there's an episode where basically it turns out that uh, someone comes in barges into the school says that's not the real Seymour Skinner I am and it basically turns out that this character that you've been with is not really like Seymour Skinner that he's this guy with some other name that I can't remember and he's from another town and he's been faking this thing the whole time and none of his character is real and then after that episode like the, the episode literally ends with them like running the real quote unquote Seymour Skinner out of town and them just deciding that like see like their Seymour Skinner is the real one. And like I to a degree, to it was it's like often that is cited as the exact moment that the Simpsons jumped the shark. And like I get to a degree. Um, like some people when they watch that sh- episode, they're like, well, the whole point is like you're not supposed to like it, and it's like I get that, but I also feel like, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're supposed to be like, well, this is actually commenting on like things aren't always what they seem, and like you can't always be happy with like uh, what is, and it's like I understand that, like I understand that. I just don't. I think this is like an incredibly ham-fisted way to like, um. Oh, see, that's like, such a shame that it doesn't work out, or like people don't like the idea because the way you just explained it to me, I was like. Hot damn, I love this idea of an episode where, like, out of the blue, character is accused of being the fake, and the real one has shown up, and the entire town's just like, eh, fuck it, we like the fake more, get out. They, they, like, I, I, like, in concept, I think it, it's good, like, it's not, it, I should say it's interesting, I think the problem is, is, like, this character had, like, like, a mother who's not his mother anymore, and, like, yeah, it, uh, like a like a wife or like a girlfriend at the very least who he's been seeing for like a while like he has relationships with all these people and it's not just like he as a title or a name it's like his entire character is not that like it's just not and it's it's such a lazy way to sort of like basically inject like a shock into the show and okay. yeah I so see how that could happen However, I agree with you where it's like if something like that is executed well, like if somebody actually ever manages to jump the shark and does it in a way that like well no one's ever actually Cuz you know where maybe, jump the shark came from, right? Like I'm, you have I know. to. Yeah, happy yeah. days, yeah. Okay, cool. And like I know like I know to a degree that maybe the point of jump the shark is like the idea that you can't ever do it right cuz if you do it at all it's wrong. But I'd like to imagine there's a way to do it. Like, I think there might be. I think you can at least try. And, like, that's why I'm saying, like, I'm not against this, like, jump the shark idea. 
it's just like you literally have to pull off something that's never been done in the history. Because once you do that, the show is the show is not the show anymore. Yeah. It's, but if you do it and it's successful, which again would be the only time in television history so far, but if you do it, then your show goes down. Your story, your story as a whole, goes down in history, um, not just in TV, but in like storytelling. So it's not something I'm opposed to personally. But yeah, cool. I, what do we call this like Celtic fantasy Midwest town show cartoon? That's a great. That's a great idea. It's, it's got to be uh, like for general audiences, right? Like, yeah, I picture it's not necessarily a kids show, but it is like family sitcom level. Picture, picture it between, it's like between Gravity Falls and The Simpsons, is what yeah. I would say. It's something like that, you know? Um, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's, a com, it's a mockumentary series comedy that just happens to be animated rather than be like an animated show. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, I mean, could you call it Up North? Although I know it's not like... Up North mm, isn't bad. Like, no. Um, Maybe like an actual town name. I yeah, think that's what, what I was looking for. I was gonna see if I could find like an actual town name that it could be named after. Um. Oh, do, do we just call? No, no, you can't do Camelot. That's too Arthurian. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, Feni Fenian. Fianian, oh, like, wait, what was it? Finn McCool was the great leader of the Fianna, F-I-A-N-N-A, popularly known as the Fenians. Oh, Fen, Fen, um, like Fen or Glen, something that ends with Fen or Glen is like the town name. How about... Summer Glen? Summer Glen? That's the first thing that came to my head. I don't know if that's a great one, though. I like this idea of it ending with Glenn. Um, let's see if I can just Google any, like, Irish town names. What about Derry Glenn? <laughs> oh, I kind of like that. I actually really kind of do. Now, to be fair, Derry, Derry is a city in Northern Ireland. Oh, it would be like D-E-R-R-Y? Yeah, what do you think it was going to be? Yeah. Oh, Derry Glen is in the milk. Yes, we do Derry Glen. That's it. D-A-I-R-Y Glen. Derry Glen? Yeah. I think that's it. I like that. I do. And I think it's just... I think the city is just called Derry Glen, but it always opens with the town sign of welcome to Derry Glen. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It kind of looks goofy. Um, I want to see how, how does Derry... Yeah, Derry Glen, the other Derry Glen looks good. It's, it's, I like Derry Glen. That looks kind of American, honestly. Um, yeah, Derry Glen. Cool. Alright. Alright, well, that's another successful podcast episode. Congrats, sir. Congrats to you as well. Many of these happened because of you. So, uh, and to all our fellow co-hosts over the last three years, pat yourselves on the back. The show continues because of the hard work you put in. Uh, yeah, thanks guys. It's honestly, it's been great. It's been a great, 
three years. I mean, I've had some of the best conversations of my life. On, we went through uh, an entire podcast. pandemic. Wow. Yeah, we did. Before yes, and after. We're, we're a testament. It's a living, it's a living record. We uh, just keep going. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies. We post our meme Mondays and our icebreaker questions. On Twitter, at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies and tweet at us when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account, betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, or questions you need advice on. Last but not least, be a better buddy. Hello. Yes, I turned my volume down so far down. Look at you. You sound like you're right out of right out of Asgard. Right out of uh It's funny you should say that. I am looking at a Vikings package for Dungeons and Dragons miniatures. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. They have like different classes and stuff. They have oh it's just more like character models, Viking themed, so it's like Thor and Odin, Loki, Skadi, Freya. Heimdall, but it's very traditionally Norse mythology based rather than the Marvel stuff. Now it's kind of turning into I was gonna say Scottish, it's a little but bit I guess Minnesota, based on where the Nordics like kind of settled in America, mm-hmm. Thor and Loki should sound Minnesotan. Really? Well, that's the English that developed from there. Is that the? That's theoretically what, if they learned English, it should sound like. Oh, that's good. I mean, that'd be, uh, that'd be something. I mean, you I guess, imagine to be fair. imagine Avengers saying, like, Hey, I, I'm burdened with glorious purpose. <laughs> oh, yeah, dear bud, you know. Uh, kneel before your god or something, you know. <laughs> what are ants to a boot? <laughs> what are they you know come on it's like oh just gonna get out by a oh almost had it 